0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Good evening and welcome to Slugging It. Tonight it is Eugene and I. No Robbo. God knows where Robbo is. I saw him last Friday for a lunch and since he's been nowhere to be seen. But we have a wonderful replacement with us. multi former international cricketer, king of the Red Rose, South African by heart, but some now torn somewhere between the Northwest and the Southeast. We welcome Dane Villas to the podcast. Thanks so much for your time, Dane. Cheers, guys. Thank you for having me on board. Always good to talk cricket and I'm looking forward to this. So, Dane, we normally
0: start with your cricketing background and a little bit about yourself. So, you know, where did your cricketing roots start? I, I know a little bit about you in terms of our friendship that we have with that mutual friends in Ross Kaywood and Matt Kaywood, and we'll get onto them a little bit later. But where did cricket for you all start and what brought you to, to, to the UK? Well, I mean,
1: cricket started obviously back home in South Africa. I grew up <clears throat> with cricket in my blood. My family have always been part of cricket. And yeah, I just loved it ever since. You know, I was very fortunate that I uh, got the opportunity to to live in, and play in South Africa and do all those type of things. You know, we've got lots of outdoor stuff, so just go play there. I went to a very, very prominent cricket school in South Africa called King Edward the Seventh. Um, went there in primary school and finished in high school. And then obviously just the love of the game grew from that, you know, playing through there, playing with my brothers in the back in the back garden. You know, I would say slogging them a bit as well, which is always nice. But yeah, I'm you know, I had two brothers, so obviously we were playing sort of every day in and around. And then, like I said, at school and in school and club crickets, Old Edwardians, which was a great club at the time. And then you mentioned our mutual mates like Ross and Matt. That's where I sort of met the guys, you know, like them who, who have been part of my life for, for ages. So, yeah, I've been playing there, playing cricket and then been lucky enough to, to travel all around South Africa, all around the world and, and ended up here in England. You know, where I've sort of, toward the back end of my career, finishing up and love sort of every minute of it so far. So it's been a long and, and great journey. 17 years as a professional and countless many years playing cricket just for social and still friends and with all my mates. There's a, there's a big South African contingent in London. So I spent a long time
2: in London and hence how I know Eugene. It always troubles me, though, because I've been to South Africa three times, and I think it is just about the single best place on Earth. If you take the snakes out of the equation uh, and all the things that are trying to kill you, I I mean, ambers and so on and so forth, I still can't put my finger on a reason why people would want to leave such a glorious place to come. And then, I mean, you chose Manchester. It is possibly the most rain-sodden place in the Northern Hemisphere.
1: Yeah, I I know. I mean, obviously, South Africa, we love it. You know, going back there in December for a holiday. It's always nice to go back and see friends and family and stuff. But like you're right, we've got so many people who come over here and live and work and, and play here in England. It's obviously a great place. You know, for me, it was about, you know, just trying to emulate and follow some of my heroes who I grew up watching, you know, being coached by and playing with to say, you know what, like, if you don't play if you're playing domestic cricket back home, in South Africa and even international cricket, you know, obviously southern hemisphere, to come up north and to play county cricket was always a dream of mine to come and do that, to try and play. So I definitely was looking to play county cricket for as long a period as I did. And I was very fortunate that I've had seven years playing now. So that's been that's been amazing. You know, was just watching guys. I even remember, you know, I was fortunate enough to one of my early coaches was was Jimmy Cook. Um, who was an absolute legend. I mean, his his son, my Brian Cook, is one of my best friends, probably my best friend. And you know, just him and I grew up together. And you know, his dad coaching us and being part of it and hearing, seeing his stories and seeing all the stuff that he did here uh, when he came over and played cricket. You know, you wanted to be part of that and 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 experience all of that. And like I said, I was very happy to do that. Manchester, yeah, obviously very wet and 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 rainy. But you know, I feel like. I don't know why. It was just it was always seemed in my blood. I was destined to play for Manchester, or play for Lancashire in Manchester. You know, you know everybody in South Africa. You, you know, you, you hear about Man United and Liverpool and all of those places. I mean, that's so close to Manchester. You know, and yeah. I was coming up through that, that era, where listening to Oasis when they were sort of Oasis versus Blur, sort of went on the Oasis side and just listening to that. So it just seemed it seemed strange and uh, and, and and right. You know, and I was very lucky when, when I got a call from the guys at Langs to come and play and have the opportunity to come play. So I feel like I was always destined to play up in Langs and Manchester sort of chose me and I was very excited when I got that opportunity to come play. So loved it and, and loved every bit of it.
2: So you mentioned about, you know, being a South African, you know, the wickets are very flat. And hard. I mean, I've got my office desk in front of me and, you know, having been to Newlands and what have you, you know, that's what it look. It looks like an absolute shirt from, from 60, 70 yards away in the party stand. Is it is it the challenge of wanting to play in English conditions
1: that as a professional cricketer you feel is something that's really going to enhance your game? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I mean, saying the wickets are flat, I mean, sometimes, you know, some of the opening batsmen, they'll argue that they're not as much as well. I think it's one of the hardest places in the world to to open the batting is uh, is in South is Africa as well. So, yeah, it's just different conditions. I mean, obviously, we grow up, we play play a lot of the back foot, we play on bouncy wickets, we play on fast-paced wickets. Mm. Things happen a lot there. But it's just different coming out in different conditions. You know, coming out to, to play with a different ball. We play with a kookaburra ball back home in South Africa. Coming here, playing with a dukes ball, adapting your game to, to play in these conditions when it's so different from one day to the next. You know, playing in April versus playing in July and then playing at the back end of September, you know, it can change so much. More than probably any place in the world, really. You know, you get those different variances. So, yeah, I mean, the challenge is always there. The standard of cricket is always high because I know a lot of people do want to come play. There's been some great players who've played in England and guys from all around the world, from South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, or West Indies, all of them. Everybody sort of seems to gravitate towards England in the summer to come and play here because I do feel when, when the sun comes out and when England does get it right, it actually is a beautiful place to be. You know, it's a, you know, the summer is amazing. You know, the sun stays out till 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's hot, but it's actually, you know, it's great stuff. And, and then the, the cricket is always a challenge, which is fantastic. You know, so that's, that was, that's a big draw card for, for all of us as players to come out here and try and hone our skills and do well. You talk about the county season and the fact that it's played at such different times of year and there's the, forever
2: these arguments, 100 blast. You know, obviously the white ball 50 over competition that I've it's had so many names, I've forgotten what it was called this year Metro Bank or whatever it was. The what are your thoughts? And apologies if this is a loaded question, you don't have to, you know, give your opinion if you don't want to. But do you think the country first class season is too protracted?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's so difficult because you get the best cricket played over a six week period. Or maybe a two-month period where you need to fit in as much as possible where you can, and you've got three, sometimes four formats trying to fit into two months. You know, so you've got a seven-month program trying to fit into your two months worth of cricket, which is difficult. And everybody's at that mm. limelight. I personally do feel that the season is a bit too long, and there's too much cricket as well. I know it's great to play a lot of cricket and get as many games as possible, but I do feel that sometimes maybe. You don't get that opportunity to to take a break, to practice a bit more, to hone your skills, uh, to fully recharge at 100% uh, and then be ready to play. And, uh, you know, you'll probably hear every cricketer say that you never really play at 100% because you've always got a niggle or there's always this up. But to get up, to have a you know to have a, a game where you've, you're 100% ready to go, fully charged and excited to play, I think you need that. So I would sort of cut it down. A little bit, not a huge amount, but I do feel you need to sort of just try and cut it down a bit and try to give as much time to some of the uh, other games as possible. But saying that again, like or, you know, I've had a look at trying to look at a schedule, and I know it is a really tough job, and it all seems easy from the outside. You actually have to do it and make and make the decision. You know, it's 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 very it's very hectic. Mm.
0: It sounds like you might be going into administration, there, Dane. Who knows? <laughs> just reflecting back on your career obviously recently retired 17 years what do you look back on as highlights obviously representing South Africa I imagine but if you could pinpoint some 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 stages of your career where you really go you know I really enjoyed that and this was career defining or that innings was was really what made me feel good or bad or whatever whatever it might be
1: yeah you know like i just think you know representing each team that i've sort of played for my sort of mantra was always trying to play as as much as i can and do as well as i can and just you know see what it is I was never really a target to try and get to anything uh i always sort of grew up you know trying to play like i said see as far as i could get. I never believe that i'd be good enough to play for south africa or make it to internationals because i saw some of the heroes that i had watched and you know grew up with watching them you know say that geez these guys are actually serious and see how they go so i think just every single time i sort of ticked off a little milestone which was really you know made me really proud you know just getting my first cap to to play uh, at the wanderers and then playing for the lions you know probably one of my my best memories is getting my first first class hundred there and with my family watching you know getting and that ended up being a, a double century which is also really nice and at my home ground sort of tick that one off and it's a very strong titans side at the time it was full of uh, internationals so yeah i was very proud of that then obviously moving down to to cape town which was which was excellent i think as a as a 25 year old moving to the cape you know there's probably no better places in the world to be at, at that stage in your life so i was very fortunate for that and then the side that we played in was also just incredible you know i think we, we won so many competitions and played so many games and we just did so well we actually dominated for a couple of years which was excellent enough and, and the friendships I formed there are guys who i speak to you know we, on a weekly basis all the time you know just and watching them and being part of that you know these guys all the time but i still touch base with that and that's amazing and i think that's where we get a lot of good things right in the cricket space is that camaraderie and friendship for life that you build within your change room you know you everybody will have that which which is fantastic so yeah doing that and then just moving on you know moving on to play for for Lancashire which I got there you know a big thing for me was also at Lancs was you know coming into a team and trying to prove myself as well as you come as an overseas and the guy who's you've got a lot of you know expectations on you but one of the proudest moments there was also you know being able to to be awarded my county cap, which is always something that, uh, you know, you aspire to because that's, uh, I think the nice thing with, with, especially with that Langs is that's not just given to you. Everybody gets their sort of rosebud that you get. And when you represent Langs, and then, you know, once you do well, you add a bit of water to it and you, you know, you, you become a, a member of the team, you get your, your full blossom red rose, which is very, very special. And I like that tradition. I love the the traditions of the game. So to be able to get that. So, you know from getting my first cap at the lions to getting my nash my cap at the cobras and then getting it South africa and then at langs was was very very special So those are just the milestones that i really cherish and and love you know even my son now you know he's 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 raid my bag and he gets shirts and he he's got the caps which you know so he sort of puts on and he wants to sort of he, he gets you know and and he wants to sort of follow in those footsteps, which is so nice and special to see. So I love that, you know. And more on like the the individual innings and those type of things are, you know, obviously I'm very proud of them and I, and, I, and I have looked back at them in the past and I will watch some highlights every now and again when I'm, you know, sitting a little bit low and, you know, just thinking about it. But those things, you know, the more, the more of it is just about, you know, just the stuff we achieved as a team and being part of it. And, you know, like I say, the friendships. I mean, it's still, even though I've retired at length, I'm still on some of the WhatsApp groups and chatting to the guys all the time and checking in, which is the the longer lasting friendships, which is for me is the most important thing, which has been brilliant. You know,
2: Langs is a side that they don't have a big churn of players. I mean, obviously, I've, I've been a, watching Lancashire for a long, long time. Obviously, Jimmy's been there for about well, he's about seven hundred and sixty now, isn't he? So he's probably been there about seven hundred and forty yeah. years himself. But they, you know, as as a side, you know. Crofts and, and you know, they're, they're a club that generally keep people, you know, they get good cricketers and they keep them for a long time. That must really add a lot of benefit. I mean, Keaton Jennings has been there a good while now, hasn't he? You know, and a real leader at the top of the attack uh, from a batting perspective. I know um, Jack Blatherwick, he's local to where I am now mm. in Nottinghamshire, but he's obviously made the move over there and he's making his way. Well, there must be, that, that must give the, a real good sense of security as a unit about, you know, knowing the people that are around you because you've had that experience, you know, they're not people flying in for a year or, you know, obviously overseas come and go generally. and you've been a bit different to that, but, you know, they seem to be have a, have a very balanced squad
1: and, and that must offer you guys some security about knowing what you're trying to achieve as a side. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think also at Langs, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of expectations being one of the big, you know, test clubs or big clubs, uh, as I say, we all know what we need to do. And I don't think we've hit that, as well as we wanted. We obviously didn't win a trophy in my time, unfortunately. But, I mean, we were always sort of there and thereabouts. I think we finished second five or six times. I mean, last year, not a lot, not this year, the last year before, that, we finished second in every single competition, wow. um, which is obviously difficult. But still, that just proves the consistency. So, on your point, like, you know, the players that we've got, there is a, a big expectation. But I think the nice thing at a club like Langs, and I, what i found and, and even just speaking to some of the other sort of overseas or coal packs if you want and those type of guys who came over the nice thing is you you do feel if you do well and if you perform and if you sort of give your all to the club there, there's sort of no time limit there's no ceiling on, on where you can go and what you can do they give you sort of everything that you can they give you everything that that will that will bring the best out of you and if you can if you do that and you give your if you give you hundred percent, they'll give you the hundred percent as well, which is, which is so good. You know, I look at guys like you mentioned, obviously Jimmy, jimmy being, you know, Jimmy's just a, a freak and a phenomenon. So, you know, maybe don't, you can't really glance him, but even him, I mean, his work ethic and everything he has is amazing. And I'm still, I cannot believe that guys like him, you know, are desperate to play for length and come back whenever we get opportunity. You know, he's always there. You know, he's always one of the hardest guys to take the ball away from when he's bowling, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he could be bowling to, you know, don't, no disrespect to anyone, but, you know, down, you know, the a lower level game compared to him. He's got a test match of laws in two weeks' time. And, yeah, you know, he's bowling for us, you know, trying to get wickets in just a normal county game. And he's desperate to take this poll. So, him, you know, and then that inspires guys like Tom Bailey, who's been at the club forever. Who's long time, yeah. One of the, you know, best four-day bowlers in the, in the domestic scene at the moment. You know, has been the most consistent guy for the last five, six years that I can remember. He's been incredible. So, him and Stephen Croft, and then there's just even the guys who are coming through, uh, has been is really good. So, like, you're right, you know, like we don't churn out a huge amount of players in the rotation, but, you know, we, you know what's expected of you. But if you give your all 100%, they, they will give it back to you in, in tenfold. You know?
0: It's interesting you mention that. I mean, it sounds like it's a phenomenal squad and team ethos at length, but how, how does one get invited to become captain then?
1: obviously you've had the privilege of doing it so how does that happen maybe they were just really desperate at the time there was no leaders with <laughs> the plate you know so doubtful no i think you know it just it just shows you know what it is as a place obviously as a foreigner coming into to a place with with such high traditions and values and everything it is you know it is really special and i'm very proud of that i think but like i just i think it just goes on my point you know if you if you come in and you show your worth and, and what you want to do and you are desperate to do well for for the team and the club, and you you know there's no there's, there's nothing, there's no hidden agendas or anything like that. I think they will they will give you that opportunity to to perform and they they will trust you with that, which is which is really good. I think, you know, the the, the coaching staff at the time when I was there with you know Glenn Chappell and Mark Chilton. You now the director of cricket. They put a lot of work into this. And you know, Paul Allert, who was there as the as the director of cricket when I was there as well. You know, I had lots of good conversations with him, and he was, you know, excellent at, at helping me through my my path, you know, then and, and to give me that opportunity was was a was a real privilege. So I'm not sure how I flipped that and, and how I did it, but you know, I was very proud that that I was able to do that. And, you know, I felt a duty of care with it as well. So because I think the club had given me so much coming over and, and playing and being part of it, you know, to, you know, I felt like I needed to to give my 100%, which I think is, 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 is great. It's just sort of that what, that's what brings it out of you at, at a club like Lancashire, which was amazing. I've often been
2: referred to, normally by Eugene and Simon, actually, amongst others, as a poor man's Ian Austin. Austin. Now, Ian Austin was was way before your (laughs) time at Lancashire. But I'll give you a bit of an idea. I mean, you can only see down to my shoulders here, but I'll give you an idea of how I go about my cricket and perhaps my body shape as well. But the the one thing that I am really interested in, because obviously you're known as a a batsman keeper, generally. Was it when you were captain that you managed to bowl 13 overs in first-class cricket?
1: Well, the thing is, like, I don't know why as a as a keeper, as about I never I never bowled, and the thing I always said in the change room is I couldn't retire or stop playing cricket until I get a first class wicket. I think I had a bet once with Andrew Patek, who was a very was similar to me in terms of he was obviously an opening batter and a keeper and stuff, and we always would say, oh, you know, like, you know, we had a bet that if I if I had more first class wickets when I retired than he did then he would, every time we saw each other, he'd have to buy me a beer. So that was a huge motivation for me and for him. It's just to get it because, you know, you always wanna have that one up and do it. And also, you know, to sort of tick a box in, uh, on a career as you want, to, you want to have a pole. So unfortunately I didn't ever get there. I was very close to to getting a couple of wickets. Some would, I would say very close. Some would say not so close. Yeah, and then it just it just sort of came a thing where the guys were desperate for me to bowl. They would they would see me bowl. and I would always chirp them in the nets, and I would always say like, "It can't be that hard, you know. Just put the ball in the right area." So the bowlers would give me stick about bowling. I think also, unfortunately for me, I, I did a I did a stint as in a movie. I played Alan Donald in a movie once. And I got a lot of abuse in the change room about whenever we needed to bowl. You know, the, the white lightning needs to come out and bowl. So, uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. Every single time the game was sort of dwindling away, or we was slowing down before tea, and nothing was happening. Then you know, you know, everybody was was desperate for me to bowl. So I just had to help them out. What did you? What I get it
2: what, what did you bowl? Some little meadows, or were you right arm um, raggers? Like what were you? What were you throwing no, up? I at?
1: always, you know, in the nets, I can throw out a bit of dirty leg spin, and I think I can. I can land it but the problem was I think I might yip up if I get into a game so it was just seam up probably just a little you know just I learned a bit of wobble wobble swing yeah well I claim that I knew how to wobble it but more my action is more in, uh, in swing you know I just fall away a little decrease, okay. so I just push it again so I almost I almost nicked off a, a left hander uh, I think it was James Drew I mean he'll he'll say obviously not Oh crikey! Um, he, I mean, he's had a hell of a year. This he year. was, but I think he, he'd got a hundred against us. So he was probably tired. It was probably his fifth one of the season. <laughs> so uh, I almost burgled him as well, but unfortunately not. You know, it would have been a great sculpt. But uh, yeah, so for no first-class wicket for me, unfortunately.
0: But I did try when you when you look back at your cricketing career and you look at opponents, teams. Are there any matchups that you really look forward to, or look, or, or, or were sort of ruined? in terms of, you know, facing a bowler or how did that sort of come about? And what did you, what did you most look forward to? Was there a mental toughness that went into some opponents? Did you just sort of take it as in, in your stride? Did you have to mentally prepare for different teams? Sort of what, what did you go through from a, from a, from a team preparation point of view?
1: No, not really. I don't think there's anyone that you, you know, you didn't rule or you didn't want to end it like that, but you know there's obviously games that you were playing that, that you had to be, Every game had to be up for it, but there were some of them that were really intense. I remember playing some games, you know, early on in my career against, you know, the Titans when they had, you know, the calls and Stain and and those type of guys and they were running it. And so you knew if you if you got it wrong, it was gonna it was gonna be it was gonna be quite sore and it was gonna be a, a tough game for you if you didn't really concentrate on that. But you know, saying that was then always, you know, playing playing against some of the fast bowlers. I remember one game we played, we had Mushant and Hardest for Lyon and they you know they were they were steaming in on the quick Benoni wicket so again those are also really difficult but I loved it like those type of games I love those type of games but more so towards the back end of my career now at playing at length uh, I think the Roses games were were incredible every single one not just the T20s which get all the all the hype and all of that but you know I mean those T20 games are sold out and those are you know probably one of the the biggest domestic games around you know those are we always say those are sort of our world cups you know so playing in those and playing with the pressure and the fans and everything that goes on was was really incredible and everybody seemed to play one in those games but all the all the the roses clashes the t20s the one days uh, and the four day stuff was always like very hectic so i really enjoyed those and playing against those those type of guys and it always felt a bit more niggly when you're playing against the Yorkshire boys, which was, you know, which, I mean, they, they're also good lads. I mean, I'll say that now, but they, you know, really good. but uh, I've got actually a couple of friends in, in some of the teams as well, but those are really good, like intense matches in sort of old school cricket uh, sort of back in the day, which was, which was amazing. With lucky
2: landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry.
0: Plus
2: There've been some cracking Roses matches as well in the last few years. Some of the T Twenty games, and and as you say, it's you know it's something I still very much keep my eye on. Um, I, I imagine it. He, I don't. Know you, I don't know if you know David so well from back home, maybe, but obviously he's now at Yorkshire and, and doing pretty well and playing for England. Is he one of
1: those guys that you would naturally gravitate towards? But you know, for a beer after the game, I don't know David from back back home, but I do. obviously know of him and stuff. And whenever we see each other, we always chat and catch up. We're not really allowed to have a beer with the Yorkshire boys too much. Right. Uh, <laughs> them, you know, uh, only kidding. But uh, no, it was, you know, it was fun. You know, I would, you just naturally tack to, to the South Africans and you and you sort of get a, you know, a little bit of chat and here and there and just see how they're going, uh, which is great. But yeah, all, all in all, that's, it's normal. You know, it's a, one of the, one of the strange things for me, actually, a uh, phenomenal was when I played in the 100 for the Northern Superchargers and saw most of the, the Yorkshire boys and half of half of their team were in there. So seeing them in a different light and a different perspective, which is also really good. Obviously, you know, there's, there's not many bad people in cricket, bad guys. I mean, I think there are a few who get in, but none of the guys with any longevity in the game who sticked around because they just get kicked out anyways you know just the people in that type of guys just get kicked out so they're all good guys and just you know being able to be part of them and and see at Leeds in yorkshire for from a different perspective is also pretty cool you know
2: when you talk about i mean dale staying one of the greatest fast bowlers of all time and Harderfield fill and you know these guys bowled extreme pace so something that you know i Crank it up to eighty-five. Like we, you know, when I was at Wimbledon, we had some lads who could let go of it, and I just used to get battered. Like I could handle myself with a bat, but I just used to get hit. And I could never quite mentally prepare myself, for or my eyes wouldn't catch up with it, or my reactions weren't quite quick enough. Like, what is it about? You know, that extreme. Probably, you know, I guess from eighty-five to ninety is a big old jump what is it is it a mental focus is it just the the case that you you have to practice so hard about it like what is the difference between kind of that top amateur who can probably top out at, at somewhere between 83 to 85 miles an hour and still cope to you guys facing on a regular basis kind of you know that 87 to 90 mile an hour plus bracket
1: well i think you know fortunately for me it does help that i grew up at the, uh, in joburg and at the wanderers so everything we faced was short all the fast bowlers who came through there were, were pretty quick and stuff as well. So I actually I didn't mind the short ball, and I, I like I didn't like it. I, I like I say I like it. I, one of my best shots was probably a pull shot or or a hook shot. So I, I, I loved it, and it was just something that you just had to do and grew up with it. So that sort of helped a lot. But I think to your question, I think it's just more of a mindset, just the attitude thing. You know, every batter, you know, when when they put the you, you see now even in this uh, Ashes series when they put the feel back and the guys are coming around the wicket they're bowling bounces. no better loves it there's not one guy who'll say yeah give it to me that's fine probably unless you uh ricky ponting or be the villiers you would say yeah okay well that's actually quite nice i don't mind that because what well, that's pretty much any ball but you know no better would say sign me up for that i love it but it's more just the attitude and the mindset thing if someone is quick and you know bouncy you know you sort of you you fight up for it and you're and you're ready for it and if you can get on top and play a nice pull shot, there's probably no better feeling in the world than doing that. So when you're in that zone and you focus and you're ready for it, then then you're 100%. But also, you know, it's got that sort of risk-reward factor in the back of your mind, which for me got me going a bit and, uh, and got me fired up, which was, you know, yes, I feel comfortable playing the short ball. And if he does drop it short, I'm not at the end of the world. But I do know that if I do get it wrong here, I'm going to be in a bit of trouble because – it's going to hurt and and sometimes more than more more than would be expected so yeah you got that that fear factor and that risk reward which which gets you going which is which is which is for me like an amazing part and great to be in the battle like that
0: how much have things changed in the 17 years you've been in cricket i mean when you started 17 years ago was there a psychologist like now i would imagine in most of the changing rooms that you walk into there's somebody that assists you with this mental preparation what was it like 17 years ago? I mean, obviously, things have changed massively. I'm just interested to hear
1: your opinion. Yeah, I think that they have changed a lot. I mean, obviously, the access to, to information and the access to people is, has, has changed quite a lot. Obviously, all the analysis we do on all the players, stuff, we did do that a little bit, back, but not obviously as to the detail that you get. No, I mean, the coaching staff that you get. You know, I remember playing in South Africa that we only had one coach and, and an assistant. We were quite lucky. Maybe, do we have a physio? Yeah, we had a physio, but it was a, part-time physio he was there you know at length we have we have everything we i think i mean obviously i think it's a bit of an anomaly as well that sometimes we got all the coaching stuff we got two physios we've got strength and conditioning coaches so all of that stuff has become a lot i mean it's not more professional but it's you know, the access and 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 the money there you know they give you everything as well which is great but for me the the, the biggest change in in playing has probably the mindset of the players you know i remember you know when you you know even just some of the scores that, that guys are getting now and what we did. You know, I remember watching games or even maybe even being part of games, in like a 50 overs where if you got to 300, then it was basically game done. There was no chance that the team was going to score. I get that. I think it was probably one, once or twice that someone had chased 300. Now it's like, you know, you've got to get 300 if unless, otherwise you might as well pack your bags and you go home because basically a guaranteed win for the chasing team yeah. but even just different like shots i mean the the younger guys who are coming through now and who are playing they're just their mindset is just so different you know they don't fear sort of any boundaries they don't fear anyone standing on the boundary or any anything that's going they they see a shot and they, they execute it in their, in their head all the time i know we were like when i was growing up you know if there was a long on back you know if you if you didn't hit it for six and you got chords you know, you, you were in so much trouble from the coach being like, how can you take that guy? What are you doing? That's, that's ridiculous. Meantime, now I like, if you, if you go for it, you know, the coach almost applauds you being like, well, for backing yourself and trying your best, but just didn't quite execute. So next time make sure you, you, you execute and you go through. So that, that, that different mindset and that change has probably been the biggest shift for me. And I see it now, even with my son and playing and some of the, some of the guys who I'm watching just, the shots that they play, I mean, they'll play a scoop first ball. They'll take on the fielders. They'll do anything. Like They don't fear. They just watch the ball. They see it. They hit it, which I think is so amazing. It's so free. And something that I've probably struggled with a little bit now because when I'm batting at the other end with some of the guys and I look at them and I'm like, geez, I don't know. That's, that's brave to take that shot on. But more often than not, they come, they come up with it, which is, which is excellent. So, which is, it's, it's so good to see it. It's, and I think it's just going to keep getting better and better.
2: How is and obviously so we're kind of eighteen months into Baz Ball, and I know that Ben and Baz hate that terminology. But how much have you seen in the professional game that kind of mentality draw down from the international that England set up this quickly? You know, in terms of people playing those shots, and you know we see we see Joe now playing reverse, reverse scoops that you would never have thought would be in Joe Root's armory two years ago but well, it seems to have fed down into the
1: county gate quite quickly doesn't it yeah I, th- I think it has to a degree not not a huge amount to be honest i think you also got to look at the caliber of player that's playing baseball you know there's not many people who can reverse sweep uh, a, a guy bowling 90 mile an hour at the thing or hitting the ball over the top like they do you know so you, you're just dealing with different guys who are extremely talented, and when they're playing well at the peak of their powers, you know, you're probably unvotable and, they, and they, they've got that in their tank, which they could do it. You know, there are guys who can play that way. Joe Root, Ben Stokes, uh, Johnny Besto, Harry Brookner, how he's come on, those, those, those type of players. You need to have those, those amazing players in your setup to be able to play like that. I do think there, there are some players who will try and emulate that as well. But I don't think it'll be to the degree that they're playing at the moment. But saying that as well, also, it, it has helped a lot. You know, I know it's helped some guys in our, in our changing room as well. I look at a guy like Josh Behannon, who's been a top mm. player for us at length for a number of years. It's sort of a, We've been very reliant on him at number three, and he's been incredible, you know, to play. And one shortfall he probably had in the last couple of years was his strike rate was a little bit low and maybe a little bit too conservative at times but now you know since he's up to his game and he's started to look to score more and strike and strike, strike at a, a better strike rate it's probably helped his batting a lot more as well and now he's scoring even more runs which you know like it goes back to my other point is you need to have that type of player who is capable of doing that mm. and then have that foundation in the background to be able to do it so i think it has helped a lot of players, and it will help some players, but also might hurt a few players in the in in the interim as well. But yeah, it's a it's, a, it's an interesting one. I've known Wellesley
2: for God, I dread I dread to think how long, twenty almost twenty years now. It, you know, started off at Sussex, double hundred after double hundred, and then he's obviously moved up up the road to to Lanks and is still doing phenomenally well. Probably looks better with a shaved head than he did with that ginger mop that he used to have. Bless him. But to watch him, I was so impressed to watch him in the 100 this year Just and see a different, you know, I don't get the chance to watch much county mm-hmm. cricket, unfortunately, but to watch him in the 100 and watch how he, um, you know, he's known as this kind of very classical left-hand opening batter or top-order batter in the four-day game. He went out and absolutely whopped it in the 100, didn't he? And it was, I thought it was phenomenal to watch, mm-hmm. you know, but you must have seen that. Over a, over a number of years whilst playing with him. But also, as you say, Josh Bohannon probably unlucky not to to make his way into that international setup so far. There's a lot of people saying very good things about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a top player he, and I know that he will get his chance. But I just feel also yeah, it's a tough school to to get in there as well. There's lots of good players who are missing out. You know, guys have been doing it for a while. Even a guy like Dan Lawrence who is an incredible player. And he's also sort of missed out on that on that selection. But... That's what happens, you know, that's what happens at the top. There's only space for 15 players or probably five batters and you're not going to get it. It's just, it's just the nature of the game, which is, it, it's cruel, but it's, it's great and it just gives him more fuel and we've just got to go back and do it. And I know he's got time, he'll do that. But going back to your, to your Wellesie, Wellesie is also a, a great example of that. He's of upped his game and stepped up a lot in terms of his striker and the way he plays. He's got the shots to do it. He's got sort of both games where he can knuckle down if he wants to, but then also counteract as well. But then I think it just goes back to our earlier point about, you know, being in a good environment at length that we've had. You know, he is he can just go out and play and flourish and do what he wants. You know, I don't think he, you know, you, come, you mentioned the 100. When he was down at Sussex, that was a really tough T20 team to get into, and he never sort of made it. But mm-hmm. for us, he's been an absolute, you know, jet because he's been he, he, he ticks off so many boxes and things that we needed i mean he came to us as a four-day player because of his record and what we needed at the time but just watching him you know we, we we quickly realized that he would be a big asset to us in the t20 stuff with his with his bowling his leg spinners that he's got his control he's got that offy as well you know and he's and he's, a, he's worked on that a huge amount because he knows that obviously the t20 game and getting into the franchise you know leagues mm-hmm. is is a is a great opportunity for for yourself and as a career but you know to do that he's worked a lot with Cole Crow, who's a top spin coach around the world who's got lots of guys and he's sort of bugged him the whole time of looking at his his spin so he's now a frontline spinner for us and then yeah. obviously mm. his 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 ability with the bat to go and take games away from teams you know he's just turned him into a, a genuine t20 all-rounder which is which is excellent so He's added that and he's been in an environment where he's allowed to flourish at a place like Langs, like I said, like there's no ceiling. So if you do, if you put the hard work in, you know, we'll give you everything that uh, will give you that opportunity to do it. So, and he's done it. You know, he's now he's a, probably one of our leading batsmen, the four day stuff. And he's a, you know, uh, one of the first names, one of the first names on the list that in, in the T20, because he's just so, so reliant in, in the fills and he covers so many gaps for us.
0: With the advancement of all these guys getting so good and being multi-format players. I mean, I remember when we used to look back at international cricket, you used to have a squad for tests, squad for 50-over, squad for T20. Obviously, you've played most of the formats. What do you think that the format changes have done? Because, you know, the whole ball, it's just people scoring quickly at a T20 rate. You know, if you look back and and you say, well, what, what sort of format was your preferred format? Or were you one of those players that happened to Occasionally play a t twenty or a hundred game in a four day game because that was what the game required.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's just merged—not have merged into one, but I think there's so much to take from it as well. You can't you can't live back on the old traditions of you've got to play a certain way, you've got to do these things. You know, it's just at the end of the day, you know, cricket's basically a a pretty basic game. You've got a guy running up and bowling a ball, and someone trying to hit it. You know, it depends. It depends how you hit it. If you want to try and hit it over the top or if you want to hit it on the ground or if you want to hit it softly or hardly, that's basically it. So, And someone's trying to stop it from going to the boundary. So, you know, I think that's where the cricketers' guys have changed now so much is they can adapt and they can bring it into the game, which makes it so exciting. And the modern-day cricketer will do that. He he won't, you know, worry that he needs to up his rates if it's a, a four-day game. It depends what the team needs and what the situation gets put in. You know they've got that adaptability that they can do that now which is which is fantastic okay. and it makes for exciting cricket in all sort of formats and even even in like the 50 over stuff you know you saw in the world cup final you needed to have a bit more traditional cricket where you know the unsung hero yeah. even though he's Aust- he's south african and australian honest <laughs> you know, he just he, he up down there he steadied the ship a bit he let travis go and do his thing but if he had gone and just went guns blazing and thought oh it's a 50 over i've got a score You know he could have lost his wicket then he would have been another pole and then like all of a sudden you know so he had he basically blocked it for a bit which was which was a you know arguably one of not the match winning innings but a match winning innings for for his team annoyingly so but uh, yeah you know so that's where that's where that's where cricket is so good there's so many different facets and there's so many different angles that you, you can do it now so yeah, I think it's brilliant. You know, for me, I love playing all different types of formats. I think it was amazing. I still love chopping and changing and, and playing different things. Keeps it interesting, keeps it fresh, which is great. And yeah, you can, you, there are times where you can play a T20 in a four day and a four day in a one day. If you I think you'd be crucified if you play a four day and a T20, but maybe four day in a one day, <laughs> you're away with, you know, to a degree. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know. you. You've got the SA20 coming up, don't
0: you? So. If, if you had to look back and go, I've got one more innings left or one more season
1: left and you could only choose one of the three formats, what would it be? You know, Huge, I think like it's hard because, you know, you want to get a 6 to win off a T20 game in a full house and you'd be in the main. But I, I think like, you know, for me and, I, and I've said it before in the past, like there's no better feeling when you're on a even 70 or 60 not out in a four day game and you, you crack one through the covers or you get a nice pull shot and it's just out the middle of the bat and you just got complete control, you knowing that, you know, it's it's up to you. No one can get you out. So I'd probably say if I was playing my last game or batting my last time, I'd love to to bat a long session in a four day game and just be in complete control and, and, and hit that. You know, I think maybe T twenty would go a bit too quick or whatever, but having that feeling and that control just, you know, um Batting That's- in a, a four-day game is, is is pure for me, you know.
2: Last one from me, I, and I, I don't know whether, you know, amateur cricket is something that you'll ever necessarily go back to, but what, you know, you've played so much international cricket, so much professional cricket, been a captain in the professional level. What is the one thing... If you can put your finger on one thing the, the the amateur game can really look to learn from the professional game,
1: as it currently stands, in order to drive amateur cricket forwards, well, I think there's so much that you can take from both. You know, I think as as I think as as amateurs, you always want to try and do as best as you want, as you can, and obviously try and look up to the professionals and try to be the best and do that. But I think as professionals you know, the one, one thing you always try to remember is why you play the game, you know, why you love it so much. You know, you, you, you playing with your mates and you having that sort of freedom and just playing for fun, you know, that it it becomes difficult and becomes a chore when you play for money or you play for accolades and you play for that. So when you're an amateur and you're trying to get to a certain level, you try to want to be the best. You always want to win. You always want to do this. Obviously professionals, we always want to win as well. And it's, it's much. You always have more fun when you're winning, but you know, just just I think you can maybe remember that the cricket is such a great game, and we get so much enjoyment and stuff from it that it's always just good to 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 enjoy the time that we we have playing because one day it'll be your last game, and one day it'll be your last innings. You know, so just remembering that is going to be is something that I will try and instill in my son and that because I know you know how much fun I had growing up and everything every time it was hard and for me in the professional game i always remember like you know you're doing this because you love it and because you know you had you've got so much from it if that makes sense hopefully this, most here yeah, definitely does
0: this is your this was your last year of, of professional cricket from a from an annual point of view you've got the SA20 coming up what's what's next for for Dane Billis you know what's what are you moving to or maybe administration like we spoke about earlier in the podcast
1: <laughs> no i think you know i've stopped playing county cricket i stopped playing four day stuff as well because i just wanted to be a little bit um you know it, it, it's given me so much and i, I loved it but I just wanted to be a bit more home with my family I've got a young family now who need me around a bit more you know give opportunity to my my wife who's been following me i mean we've been together for 17 years so she's given wow, up a huge yeah. amount for me and packed up houses and moved around and looked after the kids. So maybe give her the opportunity to do some stuff for her side. She, she works hard now in her job and, you know, she's big into her running. So if I'm, if I'm away as well, it's also very difficult for her to, to be able to do that. So be there and then also just watch my kids grow up a little bit more, you know, spend some time with them and look at, I know I'm going to miss, even in the SA 20, I'm going to miss my daughter's birthday, but be around for birthdays and celebrations and things like that, you know, which will also be quite nice. So, on that side, but then, you know, just also, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to move on to the next stage of my life. You know, hopefully do well in the SA 20 and try to play on in, in one or two of the, the franchise T20s if I can. Yep. Uh, and do that. Or, and if not, then look at doing something else. I'd like to stay in the business of sport or in the game of cricket. I'm also, you know, quite excited about what other opportunities there are outside of life because. As sportsmen and professional players, we we have to be quite disciplined and quite selfish a lot to a degree, and we're very blinkered in what we do. You know, we're very much focused on getting our job done and doing that, and you don't see the bigger picture outside of the game sometimes. So I'll also, you know, I think there's a big bad world out there as well and exciting and living in London. I think there's – hopefully there's lots of opportunities to be in, involved in and see what comes, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. It might be slightly different if you speak to me in June next year and I haven't found something that I really want to down. <laughs> I might be a bit <laughs> more depressed. But for now, pretty confident and, and, and pretty happy at this stage. And I'm also very lucky, you know, like I say, I think sometimes as, as players, you know, when you, when you come home and then your wife asks you, what are you doing here? You know, you need to get go back on tour. So I'm quite, Pippa seems to be very happy that I'm coming back, which is also a good sign for me as <laughs> well. <too. laughs> Brilliant. Do you golf? I do. I try golf uh, as much as possible, right. but I must admit I'm a fair weather golfer. You know, growing up in South Africa, I golf in t-shirt, um, short sleeve, and shorts. Perfect. Okay.
2: Well, you mentioned June just there, so maybe that's the, the next thing we can do. We, we we get Simon to commit to a day, and the four of us can go and play somewhere nice in, down in Southwest London. Oh. So I I used to have a have a course down there. So, but there's there's Coombe Hill up the road as well. I'm sure we can arrange a nice full ball and maybe. Do another interview to see where you're at right now. Yeah, then. we
1: might have to do two or three, so we'll just have to book it in. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. Dane, before we go, last thing. Any advice for aspiring young cricketers? You know, you obviously started at a young age. What advice would you give to them? I would just say enjoy, have fun. Try to play as, as well as you can. Do as well as you can. You know, cricket gives you a lot of good opportunities in life. But I think the best thing to do is take a lot of lessons from the game. You know, there's so many lessons that it brings you that will help you in in life, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. It's a great game, and it's a, it's a it's a great leveler. She's a great teacher, Mother Cricket. But yeah, just enjoy it, have fun, and and you know, try get as far as you can and do as well as you can. But just remember that you're playing with your mates, and it's you know, there's there's going to be highs and lows, but don't take it. Too seriously, otherwise you'll never get out alive. You know. Top man, Dane Villas Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Cheers.
0: Sports, social, podcast network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry. ooh a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? <sighs>